We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. around here in this part of the country. And I'm going to talk about that today. Matthew 16, 18 says this. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I like that part. I will build my church. It's not optional. It's not up for discussion. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, other translations says, hell will not overcome it. The church is not to be overcome by the enemy. The church is to overcome the enemy. So many times as Christians, we don't understand that process. We are not to get beat up and beat down. We're to win this thing. I want to ask you today, what is the role of the church? You know, the church gets blamed for a lot. I'm telling you. I've had some parents blame me through the years. Well, if the church had done a better job with my teenagers, well, if the church had better, done a better job with my kids, or if the church had done a better job when my wife and I were going through this divorce, and on and on, or if the church had done a better job when we needed them, what is the role of the church? The church, if you look in the Greek, is called ekklesia. It means to be called out. We are to be called out from the world. Separated unto God. Separated from the world. I preached about it a couple of weeks ago. We are not of this world, right? We are in it. But we live by different standards of living. We don't live by the world standards. We live by different. We have kingdom standards that we live by. And kingdom standards of finances, of relationships, of life. The role of the church, that word ecclesia, called out, separated unto God, it also has a military setting to it. There is a side of the church that needs to be very militant, very strong. We march together. We are on the offensive. I will build my church. And the gates will not come against it, will not prevail. We are on the offensive. All the armor is in the front. We're, we're marching forward. We have shields of faith and swords of the Spirit. And, and we have all of our armor on, feet shod, and all the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, loins girt about with truth, all of this, so that we go forward in the battle. And the church wins. The church wins. The church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. We are the bride, you know. We're to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, represented to Jesus Christ. The church is referred to as the body of Christ. We are all fitly joined together so that we form the body of Christ. The church is called a family of God. Talked about it last week, how the, the, the solution for loneliness is to be put into a family. That's what the Word of God says in Psalms. So the solution for loneliness in the world today, come be a part of the family of God. You won't be lonely anymore. We are designed to be an effective part of this world. Effective. The Bible uses this analogy when it comes to the church. 
that we are to be like a little yeast into a little bit of bread. We would take that little bit of yeast and put it in, and after a little bit of time, it leavens the whole loaf. So the little bit of yeast overtakes and overpowers the entire loaf that is there. As a church, we are supposed to start out with a, with a little flame in a community, a small group of people in a community. But I believe over time, we are to take over the city. We're to take over all the places that have been the enemy's territory. We're to take it back for the kingdom of God. We, we should not be sitting in here having the world pressing in on us. We should be out there pressing out light into greater areas of darkness and overcoming it because we are the ones who win this thing. We're the ones who are effective. We're to overtake the whole city. Listen, I've got plans. God has plans. The PCA church is supposed to be taking over this city for the kingdom of God. We're not here to... I remember old stories like, hold the fort for I am coming. You know, sit inside the church and just pray we make it. No, that's not the picture. The picture is we march against the gates of hell, destroying darkness and, the, and overtaking the enemy, pulling down strongholds that people have been tied and bound to sin for decades. We set them free by the power of God, and that's what an effective church does. It preaches the truth. Not programs, I thank God for them, but we need truth. The Bible tells us in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All the mathematicians out there, Word equals God. God equals Word. In my lifetime, I have watched transitions in the church. When I was young in the church, I know that all the buildings were built for one purpose, the Word. You had large auditoriums. You had lots of classrooms for teaching the Word. When I was a young child, everybody who came to church came to Sunday school. It wasn't an option. You did not have this number for Sunday school and then this number for the worship service, the church service. They were equal. I remember on Sunday mornings, if anybody had a birthday, they had the little church, remember those, with the little hole in the top? And if you had a birthday, you had to march down and put a penny in for every year. They'd sing happy birthday, happy anniversary to you. And did you remember the, the boards on the, on the platform? Anybody old enough to remember the boards? They, they had the attendance. Last Sunday, attendance today, attendance a year ago. They even put the offering up there. We might ought to do that again. Because what happens today is everybody thinks everybody else is giving. But they had those up there. And I remember being on the edge of my seat as a little kid watching Brother Fur. He was the sheriff. Had a pistol on his belt in his sheriff uniform. And he would go over... And changed the numbers, and everybody in the church was in awe. What will the next number be? I love those days. But we came to church Sunday morning, 
Sunday night, not for football, it's for church. And Wednesday night. And then we have several revivals during the year that they didn't last at least three to four weeks. It wasn't a revival. And then we had singings on Friday nights and Saturday nights in addition to that. And, and so everybody was totally saturated in the Word. Churches were built for preaching. Nobody had a gymnasium at their church. What in the world? That's for the schoolhouse. Church is for the Word. And people quoted the Word, lived the Word, loved the Word, sang the Word. And then I saw a transition from the Word to worship. And I love worship. I love worship. I love all the new songs. I mean, I, I love all the, the, I love the electric guitars and the drums and all that. I, I love it all. But churches went from word to worship. And what we shifted from was 45 to 50 minutes to an hour of preaching to 45 to 50 minutes of worship and now 10 minutes of preaching. And now we're worried more about style than we are substance because when we talk about a church, well, what kind of worship does it have? That's the first question. Not what is being preached, but what kind of... And listen, I love, I'm all for it. The, 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 the church we pastored before here, I mean, we had blacked out things. We had gobo lights, intelligent lights swirling everywhere, electric guitars. I mean, it was loud. One deacon came to me one Sunday and said, Pastor, we've got to turn this down. I said, why? He said, the water in the toilet bowls is shaking. <laughs> Honest truth. But today we, we, we like, what kind of style is it? And we, we we're beginning to worship worship. And worship leaders are becoming put up on pedestals. And, and then when we're through with worship, everybody sits down and goes, oh, yeah, we got to hear the preacher. I'm, I'm good. Let's go. Hey, listen, songs are powerful. Songs in a moment can take and minister to you, especially when they're songs of the word. But we cannot substitute the word for the worship. We've got to have the word. Because when you go through storms, it's not the worship that's going to get you through that. I've been there. Well, when I get into a storm and I'm in a battle, I'm not quoting a song. I'm quoting the word. What does the word say? What does God's word? Because heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, Yahoo, will stand forever. It will not. When we get to heaven, the word will be there. We've got to understand that we've changed from education to experience. And worship has become a focus. Listen, I can worship. I can worship with a, a million dollar pipe organ. I can worship with hymns. I love the hymns. I can worship with electric guitars and smoke and fog and, and lights swirling and it all blacked out and loud. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I know who I'm worshiping. It's not about the style. It's about the substance. I believe we need to get back to the Word. The Word. We need biblical literacy. We no longer have 
Sunday schools to teach our children. We have children's church. I love children's church. I'm all for it. But there's a lot of activity to keep your kids happy for an hour and a half. I love the word where we sit a child down and say, here's what the word says. And, and you know, how many of you remember flannel graphs? Nothing wrong with a flannel graph. Man. Nothing wrong with that. But we have today the most biblically illiterate generation that has ever lived on the face of the earth. This is a fact. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine now, now say this with me. And puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everybody, listen, everybody is going to have to go through storms. What is the house built upon? Proverbs 10.25 says this, When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand forever. I had a cousin who was a doctor. He built a house on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and it was a hurricane-proof house. Right on the beach, it was beautiful. Had, had big steel beams that went down over 100 feet down to bedrock. And so when Hurricane Camille came, and when I was a little kid, I remember Hurricane Camille. When he came, they decided we're going to stay in our house. They stayed in their house. He was blown out of the house up into a tree in the back. My cousin was killed. And nothing was left of that house but a slab. Some people think, I can handle storms. We can ride this thing out ourselves. Look what I have done to secure my safety. I want to tell you, when the storms of life come, if your life is not founded upon the rock, Christ Jesus, who is the word, the wicked are gone. The, the storms wipes out the wicked like they never were there. But the righteous stand firm. We have to make sure that we're living our lives based upon the word. And I have found out something. I have found out that I've lived long enough that I've read the Bible several times. And I've read a lot of it a lot of times. Because I have favorite scriptures just like you do. But you know what I've found? This Bible, this word, it's not just words on a page. The Bible says it is alive. Have you ever seen it move on you? That you read it and you think, well, I know this, I know this, I know this. I was reading David and Goliath again this week. And I found something new. I have to preach it to you sometime. It was phenomenal. How do you find something new in David and Goliath? Because the Holy Spirit illuminates the alive word of God. It's not a novel. This thing is alive. The Bible says it's sharp. It is a sword. It is a lamp unto my feet. It is bread of life to me. It is water, living water that gives me strength. It is power. The word is power. It builds my faith up. This thing is not just a little book with some letters on a page. It is the word of God. And it's alive. And it's quick. And it moves. 
and it speaks to you and the Holy Spirit illuminates it and it feeds your faith and gives you strength and builds you up and gives you something to stand on because the storms are hard on your life. And it will shake everything that can be shaken. And the Bible says in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And i got a feeling there's a whole lot of people in our generation who are going to be shaken because of the illiteracy of the Word of God. You cannot bring back to remembrance what you never heard. You know, the Holy Spirit will remind us, but if we've never heard it. I talked with a friend of my pastor this week, and he said, I have a couple in my church in their 30s, and they've never heard of David and Goliath. What? In America? We give our kids every kind of video game in the world, and we don't read the Word of God to them. I remember a book about this thing. My mom had, it was huge, and it had the most beautiful pictures. Guess what my favorite story was? David and Goliath. That's why I went back to it this week. I'm like, boy, I want to get back to my roots. Where did it start with me? And it had this beautiful picture of this, this young boy with a sling running that giant there. And I thought, that's me. I'm going to run. And I memorized that as a little kid. You come against me with shield and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Man, I go to sleep every night with that. It was awesome. Now today we have adults that are so illiterate in the word. And today, listen, this is the sadness of it. As a pastor, the sadness of it is today we have the word more available than any other generation ever living. You have something probably in your purse, in your pocket right now. Maybe in your hand because you may have the word right now looking at it. It's called a phone. Do you realize you can download all kinds of translations? Absolutely free. The word is free. When I was growing up, you had to pay $30 for a Bible. And then you only had one. Now you can have the New King James, the King James, the NIV, the NASB. You can have all kinds of, tra I've got like 50 translations. Free. It's available on your phone, free. And yet, we don't know the word. It's mind-boggling as a pastor to find that we're in a generation to where the word has become so flippant. We have an app. We just talked about it this morning. So anybody watching by internet, you can go on your phone. Put in, in your search engine, in your app store, your play store, Ponca City Assembly. Download the app. And guess what's on there every day? Free daily devotions. Free. Unlimited access. And yet biblical illiteracy at an all-time high. In our churches, we don't value the word. In our churches, when it comes time for the word, we, we begin to say, well, you know, I really like the worship. Oh, man. I'm there for the worship. I love jumping and shouting and clapping and getting happy and excited, and it's awesome. But to sit down and listen, I think we have spiritual ADD sometimes. 
The pastors need to do something every now and then to make us wake up. What, what, what? Kind of dozed off on you. Hey, some pastors fall asleep while they're preaching. They doze off and go, oh, that's where I'm at. Okay. The pastors are bored preaching today. Because there's not a focus on, listen, this word is so exciting. It's alive. It can, it can do more for you in a moment than anything else. And it's something you can hold on to in the middle of a storm. It reveals how your house is built. We hear it and we put it into practice. Look at Matthew 7, 26 through 27. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the storm rose, the winds blew, the same storm. Exactly the same story. And beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The storm reveals how your house is built. The storm reveals how your marriage is built. How your kids, how your finances are built. How your health is built. We have storms in all of these areas. And it reveals things. Everyone goes through storms. But after the storm, you see the difference. You see the difference. Some people's houses are intact. They never miss a Sunday. They never miss a Wednesday. They never miss an offering. They go. They've got a smile on their face. They've taken off the garments of heaviness, put on some garments of praise. Oh, man. God is so good. God is so faithful. I thank God for his loving kindness. It's brand new. The mercies every morning. God is so good, Pastor. And other people walk around going, oh, I can't. why is God letting this happen to me? I can't believe I, he's not doing something. God, where are you? What's going on? And their lives fall apart. You don't see him in church? Storms reveal foundational issues. There's a story in the, in the book of Acts that I love. Paul is about to get transported to Rome. So they put him on this ship in this safe harbor called Fair Haven. Fair Haven. And so they're, they're there. They're, they're getting ready to winter in this Fair Haven safe harbor. But, but the men on the ship and the owner of the ship decide, hey, you know what? This is not a good place to winter. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there weren't enough gambling places or internet or I don't know why. But we don't want to winter here. Let's go ahead and take off. But Paul says, wait a minute, guys. I have a word from the Lord. And the Lord says that we should stay right here for the winter so that we're safe. But they know better. And they take off. And the Bible tells us that, that as they sail out, I mean there's a soft, gentle breeze blowing. And they're probably going, see Paul, we told you, man, nothing to worry about. It's all okay. It's all right. Look at this, Acts chapter 27, verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided. Aren't you glad that the majority always decides things? And that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was harbor and creek facing both southwest and northwest, and, and everything's good. Have you ever had any fair haven friends? You, know? you stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. God says we should or should not do this. And they go, but it'll be all right. 
and the majority decides, let's do it. Because if the majority is in favor of it, it must be the right thing to do. Listen, I've seen majorities in churches be wrong. So they get into a hurricane. Read it. They get into a hurricane and they are now out of control. You ever had life get out of control? You're no longer in control? You get all of a sudden to go to see the doctor for a check and it comes back and all of a sudden you're out of control? Your life is now determined by what appointments you have lined up for the next six months? It's serious. All of a sudden you come home from work and your wife throws the, the dog at you and the cat at you and says, get out and you're going, what? Life's out of control? All of a sudden you come home and your wife tells you, hey, we messed up. We don't have any money. We don't know. Or maybe you go to work and get fired. You're out of control. They got out of control. They had no, matter of fact, it said they dropped the anchor just to see if it would slow them down a little bit. Didn't help. You know why? They did not listen to the word of the Lord. They got themselves in trouble. And then they started trying to figure out what are we going to do to salvage this whole thing. So the first thing they do is they, they start throwing cargo overboard. Now the reason why they had cargo on the ship was to make money. How do you know that when you're facing a storm, things don't have the same meaning that they had before the storm. You know when life's doing great, Everybody's worried about what? What kind of house can we buy, honey? Let's go. We need a big house. Yeah, gotta have it. Yeah, we need a brand new car. Can we afford it? Nope. That's okay. We're going to buy one anyway. Yeah. The kids need to do everything. They need to go to cheerleading and soccer practice and baseball. Can we afford it? Absolutely not. But we're going to do it. It's going to be fun. But when a storm hits, all of a sudden those things really don't matter anymore. When the storm hits, listen, when the storm hits, been there, done that. Doctor looks you square in the face, you got cancer, storm just hit. I don't care a thing about my house anymore. I don't care what kind of car I'm driving. I can walk. I don't care. What I want to do is I want to live. I want to live. I don't care about checking accounts, bank accounts. Retirement funds. I don't care about stocks. I don't care about anything. I want to know, God, what are you going to do to help me here? And he looks at me and goes, what is your foundation built on? They threw out their cargo because when you're about to die, profit means nothing. And then they threw the tackle overboard. The tackle meant this is their way to sustain life. They, had, they, they were saying, we, we, if we're going to die, why do we need tackle? They're trying to lighten the load so that they can handle life. And then they begin to despair even of life. The boat starts literally coming apart. And so they take ropes and they tie around the ship's hull. There's a lifeboat over there and a couple of guys go to get in it. Not smart. People are not smart in a storm. You know why? Because they're frantic. And they're trying to live. And when people try to live, they do desperate things. Desperate. Can you imagine leaving a big ship and getting in a tiny little lifeboat? And that's going to be your solution. You got financial troubles? Let's quit tithing. Well, the first thing we need to do, honey, is quit tithing. 
Church don't need our money. You're getting in a lot, though. Things falling apart in your life, and that's what your solution is? Well, well, I know, I know we're having marriage trouble, but we don't need to, we don't need any counseling because we can just figure it out ourselves. How good's that been working so far? What, what does the word say? What does the word say? So Paul, now these guys would not listen to him in fair anger. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of this ongoing days upon days upon days upon days of storm, all of a sudden, then Paul stands up in the middle of the ship and says again, Hey guys, I've got a word from the Lord. Yes. 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 What did he say, Paul? We're listening. We're all ears. Please tell us something to help us out. We want to know what you have to say. You see the difference? Oh, when we went, the majority says, let's sail, we'll be fine. Now, well, what are you saying? What's, because, man, this thing's falling apart on us. Life is out of control. This thing's happening. What do we need to do, Paul? Tell us. And Paul says, hey, everybody stay in the ship. It's going to be all right. Don't you love it whenever somebody has their life founded upon the word and in the middle of the storm they have peace that surpasses understanding? He wasn't frantic. He said, this night, an angel of the Lord has stood by me. Wow. Wow. Man, you're not going to get that from worship. Not that. You're not going to get that from some Christmas card or somebody saying something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You're going to get that when your life is founded upon the word of God. And you're going through the storm and you can say, you know what? God will make a way where there seems to be no way out. My God's word says that he will deliver me out of all of my iniquities. The word of God said. You see, I found that when people get into the storm, they're really, really ready to listen. That's why most salvations are crisis-centered. Yeah. Because we get into our, 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 our storms and we get into life and we're out of control and we have no way to do anything. And then we call upon God. Wouldn't it have been so much easier if they had just listened to God and stayed in the safe harbor for the winter and then sailed whenever God said it was okay to sail? But pastor majority rules today. And the majority is ruling the church today. It's influencing the church. Instead of the church influencing the world. So they, the, if you haven't heard the story, they, they all make it to this little island called Malta. Still there today. Little island called Malta. Beautiful little island. Now nobody on the island had heard about Jesus. And so... Paul and all those guys get on the beach there and they make a big bonfire and, and all of a sudden the people on the island come out and Paul starts teaching. And while Paul's teaching, I mean, God's just so good to Paul. He just got him through a storm, okay? And then he's there by the fire teaching the word of God and all of a sudden a snake comes out of the fire and bites him. Everybody's going, Paul, I want to live like Paul. I mean, it just keeps getting worse, right? Storms, snakes. 
A snake comes out and latches on him. You know what Paul does? He just goes and keeps on. Uh, and then after the word was God, and here's I'll tell you what he did next. And then he just and everybody was sitting there looking at him with eyes like this. And they're thinking any minute he's going to fall down and die. And when he does it, they begin to realize this guy has a different foundation than we do. And the whole island came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because one man had a foundation on the Word. The Word. Today, if all of us build our lives on the work, how many people will watch you going through a storm and you can say, you know what? Today the Lord has stood by me. And he's given me a word. And his word will never fail. I'm going to be all right. I mean, this thing is going to be okay. God's got this thing under control. We're not going to die. We're going to make it. Don't jump ship. People jump church. First, listen, every family has problems. You quit your family just because you're a problem? Come on. I got cousins I wish I could quit. <laughs> Some family reunions, there's a family fight. Get together and fight. And I think, Lord, am I really related to some of these people? <laughs> but don't you mess with one of them. That's my family. I can talk about them. You can't. <laughs> right? That's the way the church ought to be. You're my family. I'm not going to quit you. I'm not going to jump you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute. Stay in the ship. It's going to be all right. Peace be still. God has given me a word for you today. When you're going through the storms, hear the word of God. Put it into practice. And when the storms come, you will not be shaken. You will stand like those standing upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The word of God never fails. Hallelujah. The word of God never fails. A storm will change your perspective in life. Yeah. Now let me give you some statistics. Because I know you love them. In our generation today, most church attenders attend less than 50% of the church services. And there's one church service per week. It may happen five different times, but it's still one service. So most church attenders attend church less than 26 times a year. What if we ate less than 26 times a week, probably? So if we're doing that, and we don't read the word. And all we're dependent upon is what we get at church. We're in trouble. Reading the Bible zero to three times per week. The people that read zero to three times per week have the same divorce rate as those who do not ever attend church. 
Now, those who read the word at least four times or more per week, the divorce rate begins to come down in progression with the times they read to where if they read it every day, their divorce rate is less than 10%. Ah, isn't that amazing? 90% of those who attend church more than 26 times a year and read the word more than four times a week, 90% of those tithe. So if we do the ratio in church, that 90% of those who attend church and read the Bible more than four times a week tithe, we got a real problem. Not only with our life, but with storms. Because we have a real large percentage of those who even attend church who still don't read the Bible. And don't understand the word. Biblical literacy is at an all-time low. Those who do not attend church more than 26 times a year do not volunteer in the church. For those who do attend more than 26 times a year, over 80% of those volunteer in the church. Storms are inevitable. In Oklahoma, when a storm comes, it doesn't just pick on a few of us. We all go through the storm together. The difference is, what do we look like afterwards? The rains are going to come, beat down. The winds are going to blow. The thunder, the lightning is going to happen. In our lives, we're going to go through times to where our marriages are at a all-time peak and we're on our honeymoon level. Oh, it's so sweet. It's wonderful. Can you hardly keep your hands off each other during church? Isn't that awesome? And, and your kids, I mean, they're straight-A students and they're, they're getting advanced classes and, and the teachers are writing home going, your child is the most awesome child ever born on the face of this earth. I'm going to frame that and put it on a bumper sticker and stick it on my car. And, and, and then the finances, you go to work, and the boss is just like, you're the greatest employee I've ever had. Here's another raise. Here's another bonus. It's going to be wonderful. Take it, take it, take it. Everything's going great. And then you have a storm. You know, you come home, and your kids are been out partying, and now they're messed up. And, and now your house is a mess, and, and your wife is wanting to hurt you, and, and the kids are going crazy, and the dog's biting, and, and the, the, at the work you're going, you're the sorriest person I've ever seen on the face of this earth, and, and you go to church and nobody will talk to you. They're going, are you a visitor? No, I've been attending here for 32 years. You don't look the same. I've been in a storm. I'm not fresh. I'm weathered. I'm worn out. I'm, I'm, I barely made it. Wind's blowing against you. Come and do the one more. Let me get in there, please. Walk in. Who are you? Who am I? I'm your brother. Your sister. You know me. We laugh, but it's true, isn't it? We, we get in those places 
places to where we'll get isolated from everybody else and the storm will knock you out. And then you can't tell anybody. You don't want anybody to know your marriage is in trouble. Some of the worst fights I've ever seen in church parking lots. <laughs> Open the door. Good morning, Pastor. <laughs> Oh, yeah, God's good, God's good, hallelujah. Get out of church, go back to God. Somebody's in your way, get out of the parking lot. Somebody got my space, they got my seat, it's back. We don't want anybody to know our marriage is in trouble. Our kids are not doing well. Our health's bad. We don't want anybody to know that. We don't want anybody to know we lost our jobs, we lost our finances. We don't want anybody to know. Anybody know we have issues with, with mental things that are going on in our lives and it's a struggle, depression, anxieties? You don't want anybody to know. Because what will they think? You're a human. You're living. You're alive. I had a gentleman one time fussing about his daughter costing so much. Anybody got daughters? Ugh. They are expensive. He was fussing about his daughter costing so much. This gentleman standing beside him. He stood there and he goes, my daughter hasn't cost me a dime in 20 years. He goes, what? See, yeah, 20 years ago she was in a car wreck. And he said, I buried her and she didn't cost me a dime since. People, people always fussing about the church costing something. Hey, if it's alive, it's expensive. And if you're alive, your life is expensive. Yes. And the greatest thing you can have is the Word of God. The most precious thing in your life. I've been there. I don't care what I'm living in. I don't care what I'm driving. I don't care what I'm wearing. I don't. I care that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's blood of Jesus Christ and no man can take it out. Hallelujah. I care about my family. And I want them to have a rock. When I die, I want them to say, you know what, Dad may not have had much. He may not have known much, but this one thing he gave me, he gave me the word of God. He gave me truth. He preached the word. He didn't get up and try to give a lot of stories and didn't try to give a lot of things that made me entertain, but he took the word of God and he spoke the word because that's the only thing that will last forever is the word of God. And we've got to have it, church. We've got to have it. It is not boring, it is exciting. It is not dull, it is engaging. It's the Word of God. Can you really believe that it has made it through all these thousands of years when people are trying to destroy it? We've had world leaders saying, I will destroy the Bible. I will burn it to out of existence. I tell you, it is still here. They are gone, but the word is here. 
We've had people die because they've taken and torn off one little piece of the word of God and hid it in their clothing trying to hold on to something and it was found and they were killed because of five little words on a page. Why? Because the enemy knows that with five little words you can destroy the kingdom of hell. The, hate, the gates of hell come falling down with five little words out of this book. Hallelujah. It is powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. No wonder the enemy doesn't want us to have this in our lives. It's explosive. It's dynamic. It'll change your outlook. It'll change everything about you. It'll change how you handle storms. Nations go through storms. Churches go through storms. Families, individuals go through storms. And the storm reveals the foundation of your life. How do you handle it? We've been through storm after storm here in Ponca City in our lives. It seems like we can't get a break. One storm leaves, another one comes in. We're used to it. I mean, you know, when you have storms all the time, you kind of get used to it. We're used to having storms. Okay, If we have a sunny day, we're kind of scared. Yeah. But when we have storms, we don't go, hey, hey, what should I do? Uh, what can you tell me? Uh, we don't, we don't, what, I, let, me, let me check the Wall Street thing. No, we got storms. We get on our knees. And we don't quote any other book. I don't quote Robert Louis Stevenson. I don't quote Edgar Allan Poe or whatever your favorite author is, Robert Lewis, whoever. I don't quote that. What does the word say? What does the word say? Because if the word says it, it is truth. 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 So today, I want you to stand with me this morning. I wrote some things down here. Stock market crashing. My financial accountant is God. And guess what? He audits the books every time I get a paycheck. Divorce rampant. My counselor is the Holy Spirit. Addictions. You shall know the word and the word will set you free. Choices. The word is my guide. Before we can practice the word, we must read the word. I love worship. I love worship. Oh, I love worship. If I had my choice in life, I would be a music pastor probably. In some large church. I'd be wearing jeans with holes in them. I'd be that kind of worship pastor, man. I'm going to come out t-shirt, I mean wife beater, whatever. Come out. No! Some of you just got a vision you do not want to see. I love worship. I love it. Me and God, when we get together, I sing hymns a lot because we don't sing them much in the church anymore, but I sing them when me and God ain't out together. I love the worship. 
But the worship just gets my heart ready for the work. Because the main dish is the work. It's the main meal that should be in every church service. Everybody should go, okay, I, I like the worship, but let's get through this. Come on, Pastor, what do you got for me? Today? I want meat. I'm going to have to chew on it a little bit this week. I don't want to choke, but I need this. I want to hear it so I can put it into practice. Because I may be in Fairhaven today, but before this week's over, there may be a hurricane hitting me. And i got to be ready. Now, you people in Oklahoma, you guys like getting underground. <laughs> My wife and I looked at a house before we bought one, and in the garage, there was this little bitty sliding door and a little bitty skinny hole made of concrete went down. Right. And the realtor said, why don't you go in there and see what it's like? And my wife said, uh-uh. <laughs> Not happening. Not going in the ground. Take my chances. But you know storms. You know what I'm talking about today. I'm telling you, you will not make it without the Word. You can have all the storm shelters you think. You can build whatever you want to build. You can tell my house is this or that or that. I'm telling you, when a storm comes through, it's going to reveal what your foundation's made out of. You're either going to find yourself praising the worship of God in this house, or you're going to find yourself devastated in a ditch somewhere. You're going to be wondering, what happened? I'm out of control. Life got crazy on the pastor. So today, I want us to do one thing. This is not an altar call for salvation. This is not an altar call for healing. This is not an altar call for the Holy Spirit. I think the most important thing that we can do in this service today is for every one of us here to have the opportunity, just the opportunity, that's all I can do, is to give you an opportunity to say, I'm going to make a fresh commitment to the Word of God. I'm going to make a fresh commitment that I'm going to one time during the day, somewhere, sometime, somehow, I am going to read the Word of God seven times. If you want to make a fresh commitment to the Word, and maybe you're already doing this, I don't know, but I got a, I got a feeling like the enemy gets us really, really busy. Here's what the Word of God says. The enemy gets us so entangled in life's affairs that we do not have time for the Word. We have time for everything else except the Word of God. And listen, it's the most important thing as a pastor, I can tell you. One verse a day. We're doing the prayer thing every morning, 1020, every night, 1020, one minute, right? Nobody has called me and said, Pastor, that's impossible to do. It hurts. I can't do it. One minute. We, we, we're, we're, we're doing that. So we're way ahead of the ball game. And now I'm asking. I'm asking as a pastor. If you're here today and you say, I want to commit to reading at least one verse of the Word of God a day. I'm going to make a new commitment today. Seven Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.